Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithleday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Well, normally I would say every day is a Monday because that's my standard reply. You know, that's uh, I manage a 30-person adult daycare center. It's mm. It's true. And so... Yeah, when, when I have people ask me, how's your day, and this and that, I say, yeah, every day is a Monday. Yeah, last last night with the cashier, uh, she asked me how everything was going, every day is a Monday. And she says, uh, you know, stop it. Leave me alone. <laughs> hmm. yeah, 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 she understood. But today is not every day is a Monday. Today's been, actually been a pretty good day. So I have no complaints. And you mentioned about the great writers of uh, Addicted to Quack. Uh, We've got a couple new writers coming on board, don't we? Uh, That's true. Um, Tristan Holmes and Kevin Phipps. uh, uh, Tristan wrote his first article um, today uh, about uh, the history of Oregon and Portland State. uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Portland State a little later on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm very glad to have them. Um, and uh, and we're changing up a little bit about how you know we're writing it addicted to quack. I think things are uh, going pretty smoothly. Um, and uh, and and yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a great season um, uh, for addicted to quack. Um, the last one in the Pac-12. Um, I'm glad today's not a Monday uh, for you. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, today's been a good day. Yeah. 
I'm I'm glad that you're managing your your bumbling staff well. Imagine how I feel. I've got to manage you, um, and, and you want to write about soccer. Um, uh, hey, stop, stop. Well, uh, the Oregon Ducks. Golf. The the Oregon Ducks soccer team uh, has swung into action. Um, they have now played uh, three games and have scored. Um, uh, zero let's goals. see, uh, uh, zero goals. Yeah, they're, they they are still, which is a very soccer thing to have happened. Um, why don't? But you're very excited about the soccer team. Uh, I I am. I'm excited about the potential of this mm-hmm. soccer team. They oh, yeah. um, uh, on the field. <laughs> yeah, I can I can t- uh, tell you're excited there. Um, I'm excited that it, you're excited. I I don't need to be excited. About <laughs> I need to be excited about you. No, the the this soccer team is e- even though it doesn't show on the scoreboard it's better uh, this is a better squad than last year. Mm-hmm. They just need to um uh, stop being a high school team, you know. I mean, the, it's very young team more, is what you're saying. Yeah, it is. Because they very, I mean they lost just about young. everybody off of last year's team. Yeah. Yeah. And and last year's squad was injury prone. Uh, that kind of thing. So they're getting used to just playing the collegiate game, and and uh, the the latest match, um, they kind of started looking like they were getting it together. You know, after um, losses to well, the, Baylor, the first two and, games that they played were against pretty tough teams, right? Like yeah, uh, yeah, Baylor and Arkansas. Yeah, I, I forget where Baylor's a ranked team, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Arkansas especially is uh, you know Arkansas was ranked uh, number ten, and yeah. and they showed it. You know, every time they were in in front of the Oregon goal, they were a threat to score, and yeah. you you could see it. Um, the fact that they only scored four goals uh, all in the first half was kind of a, a testament to Oregon's defense. So second uh, half shutout by the Ducks. Yes, impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. And then in the latest game uh, with Missouri State, Mm -hmm. um, Oregon was showing the the same kind of tendencies. Their problem is being a young team, uh, having issues with uh, ball control and passing and and that kind of stuff. And they're they're fond of doing – long kicks to get the ball out of their end of the field, which drives me a little crazy um, because that's not how you play good soccer. But it doesn't uh, remind me of every soccer game I've ever watched where it's sort of like a, just a a kick to nowhere that that they, everybody sort of runs after. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's basically high school soccer in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Um, But with Baylor and Arkansas, you know, they they would they would pass very well. They it was surgical passes and get up the field and be a threat to score. Uh, Oregon has finally uh, finally in the second half of their zero zero tie with Missouri State uh, started to look like a team. They they were uh, they were doing some good penetration of the Missouri side of the field, um, not playing chase the ball so much, 
and you know it, it it's it's the kind of progress that you know is coming and it, it's it, it's good to see like i said in one of my articles this isn't a championship team it's not going to be what you're looking for is progress and improvement and this group of players becoming a team well i mean the subhead for your article about their game against missouri state was in spite of not scoring duck show improvement which is i think about the most soccer line i think i've ever read in my life (laughs) um well it's true um and, and it's because that the uh, unlike the previous two games the 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 ducks had as many shots uh on the opposition and as many shots on goal as the opposition and yeah they had the opportunity there a, a couple times against Missouri State to score and it just didn't happen but you know you need to have you need to be on the uh, opposition into the field and have the shot to score the shot. That That's just the way it is. It was also a pretty impressive performance by the goaltender, Maddie Goldberg. Um, you, you seemed like, you know, you're really highlighting uh, her performance in your article. She's, she's very good. I mean, it, she's not Leah Freeman. Um, that was last year's goaltender who you yes. also seem to think who's an excellent goaltender, yeah. but she's at Duke this year. Yeah. And um, she was, uh, Leah Freeman was responsible for uh, a lot of Oregon games where the opposition just did not score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie Goldberg is, is uh, even if she's not on a Leah Freeman level, it, she's an, an excellent goalkeeper. And it, you need that. You, the the goalkeeper really is the most important player on the soccer field because if you have a goalkeeper that's uh, keeping the opposition from scoring, you're still in the game regardless. Um, um, Maddie Goldberg uh, worked with Leah Freeman, uh, shows a lot of potential, and yeah, she's done some good works. You know, you look at my articles and I do have some uh I have some video of her with some pretty impressive saves and that's that's what keeps Oregon in these matches and allows the Ducks to progress uh to try to find their offense yeah if they got got a good defense and they do it's not just Matty Goldberg uh the the Oregon squad is uh, defensively a very solid team. And, you know, you kind of have to be <laughs> if you're going to be playing defense for a lot of a game. Um, well, but as you said, you know, that that was, you know, the sort of the turning point for the Missouri State game is that like their shots on goal was, you know, they, they weren't just playing defense all game long the way that they were against Baylor and Arkansas is that, you know, they, they were getting up down the field and, and taking their shots, you know, at an equal rate. And, uh, you know, they're not playing 
you know, a bunch of slaughterers, uh, you, you know, in terms of what, you know, what's coming up uh, for, for the rest of the, you know, they really challenged themselves to start the year, uh, which is, you know, to yeah. their credit, uh, you know, but like what's up next is, you know, nor- they're going down to a, a swing in the desert, uh, you know, Northern Arizona and, and Grand Canyon state. Um, and then, uh, and they come back home to play Cal Baptist and, and Denver, um, you know, that, that's a, a little easier slate than Baylor and Arkansas, you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, Arkansas on the road, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I think probably Oregon will, will, will get its first win, you know, at some point uh, here in the next week. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't you think? Yes. Yeah, yeah I do. If they uh, continue to, to display the kind of progress that they're showing, um, they, they'll show, signs of improving which they absolutely have to do because the pac-12 play in soccer is brutal i mean mm-hmm. ucla uh, won it all last year and yeah. you know they're they're not the only quality team in the pac-12 so yeah at some point you you have to pull it together and play ball yeah well, Kevin will have the uh, the right of the Arizona swing um, for his first article for the site um, on Sunday. Uh, let's talk volleyball. You wrote up um, the uh, uh, women's volleyball's uh, trip to Hawaii for the Rainbow Huahini uh, Classic, um, which they swept. Um, unfortunately, wasn't televised, which seems like a, a real tragedy. I would have enjoyed watching that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but the team, well, the, uh, the first, the first two games weren't televised. The, the game against Hawaii themselves, the, the rainbow warriors, the, the was, hosts televised. What was yeah. televised. Oh, I missed yes. that. Um, that's unfortunate. I would have liked to watch that. All right. I somehow missed that announcement. Um, the, uh, uh, well, fortunately they, they brought their videographer and, and, um, and, and took, you know, lots of videos, which you were kind enough to, uh, to gather and put in your, uh, your article, quite a, quite a long article. Um, uh, but, but a fortunate one, you got some comments in, in the, the article that was, you know, thank you for gathering all that stuff together. Um, uh, uh, cause it was pretty great. Um, the, the, uh, uh, pr- pretty excellent performance, uh, uh, um, you know, this team brought back, uh, some of their great players from last year, like Mimi Collier and Hannah Pukas, um, but also some, some new faces, you know, as well. Uh, you know, what did you think of the performance? Well, um, it was in a way it was, uh, better than I had anticipated. You know, uh, Addicted to Quack was there for the exhibition game uh, against, what was it, Portland State? Um, the uh, the exhibition game featured uh, a lot of youngsters mm-hmm. and um, didn't give really any clues to the, to the starters that were uh, going to be playing last weekend. Uh, like, uh, you know, you knew Gabby Gonzalez was going to start, uh, but Kara McGee it, from Baylor uh, also started. Uh, these are a couple players that are uh, transfers from Ohio State and from Baylor, and it you know they're they're not just one of the mill players. See these these players were captains on their team excellent players and uh, only add to uh, the Oregon Ducks 
roster and depth. And we saw that this this last weekend uh, against San Diego State and Northwestern and Hawaii. Uh, the, the Ducks have a lot of height. They have... Uh, they have fantastic defense, and uh, I, I yeah, the defense to, really stood out. Like I, 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 I tried to show that in uh, video clips in, in my article because you know I was watching that, thinking, "Oh my god, uh, both sides are fantastic." Uh, Hawaii is, uh, uh, you know, fantastic defensive team also, and it shows. Um, but the um, but the ducks are fantastic defensively, and they have height. And I definitely noticed that too about like um, uh, the libero uh, um, uh, Georgia Murphy. Yes, this year um, is like you know the the libero they're slight the, the libero has to has slightly different rules um governing that position um than the rest of the players and and because of that they they tend to be it's it's more of a defensively oriented position and they you know because they, they it tends to be a faster and usually because of that you know sh- uh, shorter you know player but there are there are still advantages to being like a like a taller or longer or like a rangier player so like you know, hey, look, the torque equation is an exponential based on, you know, the the length of the arm. Uh, you know, that's uh, you know why the old saying is give me a lever long enough and I can move the world. Uh like Georgia Murphy is tall. Like she is taller and rangier as a libero than I am used to seeing. Like liberos usually are like five foot nothing girls who are running around out there. Like Georgia Murphy, you know, like she's not allowed to as a libero, but like she could go up and like spike some balls, you know, like. Exactly. Well, you know, Brooke Nunaviller started out as a libero because. Yeah. the, the the ducks to need an outside hitter, and so she started out uh, being a, a defensive specialist that kind of worked her way into uh, being the uh, overall mm-hmm. powerhouse that she became last year. You know, it's kind of funny uh, because uh, maybe Coyer is she's all that more. She just really is. Um, she can she can kill like nobody's business. And uh, this last off season, she worked on passing. She worked mm-hmm. on defense. She she worked with Matt Ulmer um, on improving the other aspects of her game. And it, it kind of looks like she's trying to go opposite of Brooke Nunaviller, um, where, you know, Brooke started out uh, on being just outstanding on defense and then was an, an overall great player. Um, Coyer is outstanding on offense, and now she's working on being that complete player that, uh, that you know, in, in the mold of Brooke. Nina Villa, mm-hmm. and it, you know it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting to see how that's going to play out um, in the exhibition game. You know, in the the post game uh, comments, um, Mimi talked uh, 
at length uh, about that, uh, about how she wants to be the more than just the the hitter. You know, she wants to be that that rounded player that she saw in Brooke Nunaviller. And then just my favorite clip that you included in your article is that, I mean, the, 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 the winner, you know, against, uh, Hawaii, the, the block with, uh, you know, is the, the Carson Bagan, um, and Morgan Lewis block where it's just mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's a stunner. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, they just shut it down. Right. Um, and I mean, they were it's- killing Hawaii, like absolutely destroying them. Um, and, and, and that like, was the case all weekend uh, yeah. that they were doing that in e- each and every game. Uh, over the weekend and uh, Port San Diego, they started out being ranked number 13. They're not even in the top 25 now. And I mean, uh, Hawaii's I, legendary in, in, in volleyball. I mean, both of our new writers are, have been squawking real loud in our, in our uh, private, you know, uh, uh, planning channel, you know, cause they're both, you know, Hawaii, they got Hawaii ties, but like Hawaii volleyball. And like, I, you know, I haven't heard a peep out of them, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, after yeah. the, the Wahine classic, <laughs> it's fun. Well, ES, ESPN did, uh, they they interviewed the coach of uh, Hawaii, and you know she was uh, parts not pleased and and was okay with uh, what the what the rainbows faced. You know she understood that that her team um, was not really a, a good match for this Oregon Duck squad. Um, and as a competitor, you're never going to be happy about that. Um, that, that was apparent in, in her interview, but, but she had kind of resigned herself to the fact that, uh, they played well, they played competitively and, um, Hawaii, you know, will, will be a force in, in the future. Um, as for the ducks, uh, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I think this duck squad is probably the best, the best volleyball team we've seen. Well, I just mean that it was like the reason why I highlighted it is because like, you know, last year, I'm not sure how much we would have been talking, you know, because like because of players like Brooke Nunaviller, I'm not sure how mm-hmm. much we would have been talking about Carson Bacon and Morgan Lewis. Um, and that's not taking anything away from them at all. Not, not even a little bit, but like they had the, the, you know, the, the match point or, uh, you know, against, you know, Hawaii when it wasn't even close, um, mm-hmm. you know, like they won that one 25 to 15 and like, they look like they were playing little girls, you know, like just the, the, the talent differential, and the, you know, the size different, like Oregon is just loaded top to bottom with talent, you know, like it looks like, you know, it looks like a national championship squad. I'm not saying like I'm guaranteeing they, Oregon's going yeah, to the yeah, national yeah, championship, they but do. Like next to a, the host of the tournament, like it looked like they were playing like a, a middle school JV squad in terms of what their size and what their talent would to the point where it was like, there is no chance this ball is going like, like that, that block was like 
are you kidding me? I mean, it was like watching Muggsy Bowes trying to dunk on Manute Bull. Like, nope. <laughs> like, are you yeah. kidding? You know? Yeah. No, th- this is an exciting uh, Ducks team. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it in the future. Um, this team is as good as they are because of height, but it's because of Hannah Pucas. Hannah Pucas is the best setter in the nation. I'm firmly convinced of that. Uh, as I said in my article, uh, she doesn't telegraph where the ball is going. O- Oregon has multiple weapons, and they will kill you uh, because of Hannah Pucas. She's all that and more. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk some hoops. Okay, uh, you kept up writing your uh, uh, basketball preview series throughout the Pac-12. Um, uh, the one that you wrote, um, I've really been looking forward to. Uh, 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 you've written two, uh, but the one I really wanted mm-hmm. to talk about was your Stanford women's basketball uh, yes. series. Uh, we all anticipated them winning the conference for the umpteenth time. Uh, they did not. They got, kind of got surprised uh, in the tournament. Um do you think they were a worse team or was that just like, ah, surprises happened in the tournament? What, what did you think? Well, I'm not really sure. Um, and uh, I, I want to back up and let both of the the listeners know that, that you know, Hitler Day does his uh, film review and that kind of stuff. He's a great writer, but he's also a great editor and a, a great editor will uh, will uh, feed you ideas um, when when the ideas aren't there, like in the doldrums of July and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Hitler Day had put out that, uh, you know, why don't you do kind of like what I do on the football previews? Why don't you do basketball preview? And I jumped on that. And um, – it's been it's been rewarding in spite of the fact that the Pac-12 is disintegrating, which it wasn't the case when we started out with this series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, I'll just continue when we get into Big Twelve, but uh, it yeah, kind I, of I made that it, mistake it, a bunch of times. I don't blame you, but yeah, it it, it kind of illuminated me to how much I did not know yeah. about the opposing teams in men's basketball or women's basketball. How Socratic. I mean, you, you, you have, you have a legend like, uh, Tara Vanderveer in at Stanford, but you, you really don't know about her. And so with Stanford, with all the teams that I've covered, uh, it's been very illuminating and yeah, if you're interested in men's or women's basketball, I encourage you to uh, read over the articles and kind of learn a little bit something about the opposition. Uh, Stanford was really curious last year because yeah, they, sure they were. weren't they weren't the uh, uh, overwhelming powerhouse. Uh, they got beat. I mean, their the record doesn't show that, but but 
they got beat in the Pac-12 uh, tournament. They got beat in the NCAA tournament and uh, didn't go where they probably sh- thought they should have. But, you know, this is Stanford. Stanford goes to the Pac-12 finals and the Elite Eight and the NCAA championship and that kind of stuff every year. So, so it, you know, it, it's kind of curious um, as to why that happened. I'm, I'm not sure if it was uh, a, a failing on Stanford's part or that other teams took advantage of them. You know, the, the numbers, uh, the the team numbers and the, sh- the shooting numbers and defensive numbers uh, don't indicate that uh, Stanford is failing. And I don't really expect them to fall off this coming season, but it makes you kind of wonder, right? I mean, I, you know, I guess I put it this way. They only lost to really good teams, right? You know, they, they lost, you know, they lost to number one, South Carolina, right? You know, they, they lost to, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 they lost to Ole Miss, you know, in, at the NCAAs, you know, they lost to UCLA, which is a ranked team, you know, in, in the, the PAC 12 tournament, they lost to Utah, you know, which we've, we've talked about before. Um, you, you know, like, uh, you know, they, they had sort of a weird one-off loss to USC. That was like their worst loss of the season, but they only had six losses on the season, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I guess the, the the thing that I would say is that like they don't have any good wins. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. like maybe the best win that they have is like over Gonzaga. You know, uh, although like by the end of the year, Gonzaga turned out not to have been like a really great team. Like uh, it's sort of you know my theory, and I've expressed it several times as we've gone through your your Pac-12 you know previews of women's basketball is like I, I really just think think that the Pac-12 just had a really bad season last year, and I think that like Stanford just sort of like and, and that the reason why Utah and Wazoo you know wound up on top was sort of just by default because like those are solidly built teams, and like and, and, and like you know, Stanford probably should have still won and we never really noticed it. And it was just like the fluke of them losing that caused us to notice it. Um, but like, uh, you know, like I, I don't really think that Stanford was really much better is sort of my conclusion. Like, I think that they were just another solid team. Yeah. And and that's it. And they were just entirely built around Cameron Brink. You know, I guess that's the other conclusion (laughs) that I come to both from like watching the article. Uh, Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, And and that it's sort of like, you know, between Brink and Jones and 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 then they lost one uh, their their third stud, you know, to um, to UCLA, which is really something that Terry has to worry about. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Lost, uh, lost the bets. (laughs) um, But like, you know, man, like I, I kind of feel like, you know, Stanford's like kind of like on cruise control, you know, this whole year, you know, like I kind of feel like I'm not saying that Tara Vanderveer didn't coach this team. I'm sure that she coached real hard, but she didn't need to coach this team. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And um, that's why uh, Stanford is really a curious read. They they are. 
um, because they they didn't perform as uh, you know, the casual observer or even the informed observer might expect last year, um, and and yet still had an outstanding record. Uh, it kind of makes you wonder if there aren't uh, cracks in, in and chinks in, in the armor in the the Stanford in invulnerability. And we're going to find out about that this this coming year. You know, Stanford has lost some players to lost some good players to the transfer portal, and even though they they bring in some talent, which they always do, they don't bring in transfer portal talent. Right, and and that's the that's the the name of the game. I mean, you you've talked about that with the Stanford football team. You know, we uh, Stanford uh, has some ridiculous academic requirements that you have to meet to, uh, uh, I shouldn't say ridiculous. Uh, they, they have some high academic requirements that you have to meet in order to come on to their athletics. It, it, and, it's more like they don't really honor other schools credits uh, yeah. for, for transferring. And right. they have like a very harsh um, progress towards degree requirement which means that essentially like it's impossible to transfer as an undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not uh, like you have to be a brainiac to get into Stanford. Like it's really not true. It's more like they're real snooty about what credits they accept um, in a way that's like obnoxious. Exactly. And in this uh, day and age of the transfer portal, that doesn't uh, really translate into uh, a team where if you need to do some rebuilding or plug in some pieces, uh, that's just not available to you. Well, we, is that, we, is that true Stanford? What, what's their roster look like for, for this coming year? Well, their, their roster looks okay. Um, they had, uh, a somewhat larger roster last year and they can afford the, the players that transferred out, that they bring in a pretty good class. You know, the, the Stanford was ranked the, the number one class mm-hmm. uh, by some metrics in 2023. And so they're bringing in some talent and don't expect a, a drop-off. Um, but, you know, it, I think if this was any other team, uh, if you weren't able to help yourself with the transfer portal, uh, you'd probably be in trouble. Um, that that doesn't seem to be the case with Stanford. Uh, Stanford brings in three freshmen that are really good, and uh, uh, I expect that that they'll be uh, contributors and playing well next season. I mean, I mean, ultimately, like. They return all of their starters except for Haley Jones, right? You know, yes. they return Brink and, and Hannah Jump and Kiki Irafin, um and Talana uh, Lapolo. Um, how are they replacing Haley Jones, do you think? Because um, they lose. I, I would have, I sort of would have thought it was Lauren Betts, but then she transferred to UCLA, which is why I was sort of like, uh, that might be a problem, Tara. But like, what do you think? Right. I, I, I kind of think they're going to. 
uh, find out which of the freshmen is hmm. is really hot, and um, it could very well be Courtney Ogden. Um, she's, she's a, an excellent recruit and yeah, much like, uh, Oregon has had to rely on freshmen to fill out their starters. I, I suspect that, that Stanford has to do that as well, especially given that you, you don't really have a transfer portal to, to try to pluck, uh, veteran players from. Yeah, well, I guess you're, the, you're stuck with what you got. And really, Cameron Brink is the team. Cameron yeah, Brink, exactly. <laughs> like, she's all that and more. The The thing is that, like, you know, Stanford is a difficult team to assess because, like, I don't think that they... I think that the Pac-12 was down last year, and I don't think that they actually really played very good teams last year, and when they did, they lost. Um, which means e- this team could be anywhere between like, uh, you know, there, there is a range within that B class, you know, between B plus and B minus that they could be anywhere in between where they're not a class because they didn't beat any of the good teams, but they're not C class because they, you know, they were 29 and six. They weren't losing to any of the teams that were like inferior talents. Right. Sure. Um, but like, it's still a pretty wide range where they're like, are they just under the A class and they just need to improve a little bit to rejoin them? Or are they just like a little bit better than the C's, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, and that's a that's a difficult read, and you know, at the uh, season outset, uh, it, I think it's impossible to make that read. And and not only is it difficult to tell whether or not they're just a little bit worse than the A's or just a little bit better than the C's, but because the team is functionally going to be identical to last year in that they're returning everybody and, you know, they're just going to plug in a freshman, you know, for the person they lost. And the freshman is going to be exists in the image of Tara Vanderveer, who's been there, you know, for a really long time mm-hmm. as a super established coach. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong yeah, with her, since the, you know, I'm just saying the 19th that, century. Yeah. yeah right. I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to call her like an old, 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 old lady or anything like that. I'm not trying to be like a, a pejorative here. I'm just saying that like, if you're looking for a change, you're getting the, you know, whatever the opposite of change is that's Stanford. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, 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 and so like compounding the fact that it's impossible to read whether or not this is a high B plus or a low B minus team is the fact that it, it's going to be the same team. And so it's like, mm-hmm. and if the PAC 12 is different, like if that was just a one year dip where everybody just sucked last year and this year, like, Oh, the PAC 12 is good again. Um, which I sort of, you know, in going through our previews, I sort of get the sense that that's going to be the case. Um, yeah, yeah we, we, there is some good teams. Yeah. They, there's they, good they were teams good last year. And, it's sort of yeah. like, Hey man, if this is a B minus team and, and coach Vanderveer didn't actually fix anything like, and it is just like, you know, sticking with the status quo, like Stanford could go from a 29 and six team to more like a 22 and, and 10 team. 
um, and, and be like, well, what happened to Stanford? And the answer was like, look to last year, like this was already baked in and you just didn't mm-hmm. know because they weren't getting stiff challenges. Um, now I'm not predicting that's going to happen. The, the whole, all of that throat clearing was about like, we don't really know who this team was. Um, it's entirely possible that they were really just a B, you know, that, that this wasn't a B minus team. This was a B plus team and they just needed to get a little bit, you know, just a little bit, you know, extra spice, a little extra more seasoning and, and, uh, and, and time in the oven and they'll be right up with the A's and smashing fools, you know, and Cameron Brink is going to crush your face, you know, because God, you know, like she definitely could, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yeah. you know, exactly. uh, the, 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 the total opposite of what just predicted and that staying the course is entirely the correct move for Stanford and they destroy everyone next year equally likely to happen so like yeah i'm really interested to see what happens you know with yeah, that that's what makes this this upcoming season so interesting because uh you know if stanford is uh an indicator of of you know the predatorial strength of pac-12 women's basketball mm-hmm. uh you know, like you said they it could go either way, and yeah, I, I think whichever way Stanford goes, uh, Pac-12 basketball, women's basketball, kind of goes too. It's a, uh, it, it's really strange, and um, yeah, uh, it wasn't so long ago that uh, Stanford was a solid indicator of Pac-12 strength and their own strength. But that's not what's going on right now. Yeah, and in this upcoming season is going to be very interesting. Well, speaking of very strange, let's talk about Bobby Hurley's squad uh, down in the desert. Uh, the other uh, uh, basketball preview piece you've written recently is about the uh, Sun Devils men's basketball. Um, let me ask you a tough question: Is Bobby Hurley a bad, good basketball coach? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't uh, really uh, think so either. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think so. He, he gets uh, some I, talent though. He he does, and uh, I think that he he coaches a uh, uh, a decent culture. Hmm. But but um. Since he's been coach, Arizona, since he's been the coach, Arizona State has just been a middling team. You know, they, they really, have, they really have sort of defined average and like they yeah, occasionally they, rise up and beat a team they shouldn't, but then they also like lose games they shouldn't too. Yeah. They vacillate between the fifth and 11th place in the Pac 12 and, yeah. and really don't show, uh, like I said in my article, they, they really don't show. Uh, any sign of being a really good team or a truly awful team. Um, yeah, they, they just kind of hang there in the Midlands. And um, I, I think that Bobby Hurley has been around as long as he has because of his personality and the culture that that he it promotes there at Arizona state. I mean, um, you know, Arizona state is the men's basketball program of players like James Harden, uh, that kind of thing. And, 
you know, they, they have kind of a, a proud culture, but they've done nothing really. Yeah. Uh, in, in PAC 12 play, I have no idea <laughs> if they're going to be a decent big 12 team. Um, but <laughs> well, I mean, that culture is <laughs> definitely going to be tested because like, I, you know, I, I don't know what it says, but like he's losing everybody, you know, yes. from last year's squad. Both of the Cambridges are gone. Uh, you know, Washington is transferring to Texas Tech. Um, Horn uh, bounced to uh, uh, NC State, uh, you know, went back home. Uh, uh, Frankie Collins, uh, uh, who's only a sophomore left. I forget what happened to him. Uh, I think he, he bounced too, right? He, he hit the portal. Um, uh, no, I think Frankie Collins was, uh, the only one that stayed, the only oh, starter that stayed. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so it, like, it's, it's really astonishing the, the, just the the sheer numbers. Collins of didn't even even left. Collins didn't even have a double digit points per game. You know, like right, right, and, and he he was a starter, and you know now he's kind of a, a veteran. It's it's really astonishing the the number of players that have left, and yeah, you know, how many new faces are going to be on this twenty twenty three Arizona State team. Um, yeah, it's, and, uh, outside of, um, the, the freshman recruits, there, there's a couple of freshman recruits that look pretty good, um, with, uh, Braylon Green mm-hmm. and Akil Watson. Right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're ranked recruits and they look pretty good, but the, uh, the the transfers, with the exception of Adam Miller, are just kind of underwhelming. And yeah, he it, took a ton of transfers, and it was like definitely was like a quantity, not quality. Like I'm not saying these are you know non quality human beings. I don't know them at all. But it's like I'm just reviewing their statistical production and and like the the level of play, and it's sort of like. Bobby, like this ain't how you build a squad, you know. Yeah. Like, where's the where are yeah. the tent poles here? You know, is it, is that all you got? Um, Ed, Adam Miller is a, a quality transfer from LSU, right? Um, he he was a starter, uh, has uh, a lot of minutes in uh, a Power Five school in a Power Five conference, and has the numbers to back it up, but. You know, other than that, there's a huge drop off. I mean, he got another player from LSU, Sean Phillips, but he basically didn't play. Uh, mm-hmm. and he got like a, a Jugo from Canada. Uh, he got like a, a player from Houston Christian, which, you know, apparently plays basketball. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I I, I never know what to, player who barely has any minutes. You know, uh, I, I never know what to think about JUCO players and you know, uh, non-power five players. Uh, you you can't scratch up stats on them at all. Yeah, and um, so you know, those are unknowns, and that means you have a large part of your roster that's just an un- unknown. 
Well, and the other thing is that, like, I think five of the seven transfers that he got only have one year of eligibility left or one or two, um, mm-hmm. which means, like, he's going to be right back at this. You know, like, it's not like he got, like, transfers that have, like, three years of eligibility where it's like, okay, you know, th- this guy is, like, practically a freshman. You know, like, this is just an alternate way of uh, of recruiting, you know, um, it, it's sort of like recruiting a super freshman, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. no, it's like he, he's, it's instead it was, is more like re- recruiting, you know, getting a grad student as like a, a topper, you know, or as, as a gap filler, you know, whatever, except like, this isn't, you know, when you do that, you get like one of them as a gap filler. You don't get like five of them as gap fillers because like, then you have to fill gaps again next year. It's like, well, that's how you get on a treadmill that you never get off. You know, like I just, Ooh boy, I do not like this roster management. No, I I, I don't either. And that's why I, I think that, uh, Arizona state, uh, is not going to place fifth in the Pac-12 standings. They, they're going to drop some. I, I don't see how that's avoidable. Yeah. I, I, I just don't. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. Uh, we'll talk about Portland State football. So uh, Oregon football uh, has their opener this week uh, with Portland State. Uh, finally, finally. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, the Vikings did not play a week zero game. And so we are forced to rely on their 2022 performance for any sort of preview of them, uh, which I will be writing and publishing on Friday. I, uh, I, interestingly, I, I have some of their film. Um, they actually, there were quite a few intersections of Portland state and, and Pac-12 teams. They played Washington. Um, they, uh, they played, um, uh, Sacramento State, which who, who uh, whose coach Troy Taylor is now the um, the the Stanford coach. Uh, so I had mm-hmm. that film. They played Eastern Washington, who was uh, Oregon's FCS opponent in 2022. So you know I was already familiar with that roster. So you know I grabbed that game. Um, sure. They played Cal Poly, and several Cal Poly players wound up on Pac-12 rosters. They sent a, a, a running back to uh, Arizona State. They sent a tight end to Washington. Um, there are a couple of players on Portland State's team from Pac from the Pac-12. Um, you know, Washington sent a couple of players to uh, Portland State. We shouldn't surprise anybody uh, given the caliber they're recruiting. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so there's like a whole bunch of like different sort of intersections, uh, there. So like our, our, my, my film library actually already had it, you know, a couple of different things. Uh, Portland state wasn't a great team last year. They went four and seven, that Cal poly team, which was like one and nine beat them at the end of the year, um, which was like screwy. Um, although they beat Eastern Washington, it, you know, it's weird, you know, um, they're, uh, their statistical profile is, you know, fairly similar to what you expect out of, you know, most FCS teams, you know, like they, they don't defend the run very well, you know, as is, you know, because run defense, you know, tends to be an, an artifact of, uh, of, of talent and they tend not to have talent. You know, the thing that's really about their defense, it's kind of crazy about, you know, what they're, what they're losing versus they're bringing back. They lose about half of their 
defense, their, their defensive production, but like the positions where they lose starters at, um, it's like it's all concentrated to positions. They lose all four of their starting defensive linemen who were seniors, and they lose all three of their safeties, you know, who were seniors. Um, but then they bring back all of their linebackers and they bring back all of their cornerbacks. So it's, you know, and there's like some asterisks there where there were some injuries like, they, you know, like they're they lose one of their starting cornerbacks. But basically, he only played two games and then was injured for the rest of the year. So it's like they had already lost him. Um, mm-hmm. And then at like linebacker, you know, they they lost one dude, but like uh, they the, this other dude who is their best linebacker McKenna he he only played four games last year um and they're getting him back so it's sort of like you know that while they lost a dude they get back a better dude so it's like they really didn't lose anything like on balance they 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 wind up you know being in a almost like like a better spot than they were so anyway interesting uh yeah so like cornerback and linebacker is like just as good maybe better than last year defensive line and safety they're going to be in real trouble like especially defensive line like the guys behind them at defensive line are just like i'm so, uh, yeah is going to be a real problem and frankly the guys that they had at defensive line like i mean the guys that they had at defensive line were good for what they were you know given that it was Portland state. Uh, but even those guys, you know, they were give, you know, they were only successful defending the run on 44% of um, plays, which is bad, you know, and then they're going to lose all four of them. And it's like, it's going to be really bad. Um, so and, is this just a, a wordy gloss over that Oregon's going to kill Portland state? Well, I mean, of course they are. I'm just trying to give you like a profile of, of where look, Every sure. time Oregon plays an FCS team or any sort of team that they're sort of, you know, uh, outmatched against fans expect them to be outmatched in every single area so that, you know, it's a, just a uniform killing. And okay. my job is to say, OK, but actually this is a team made up of human beings and not, you know, fantasy cardboard cutouts. And they have actual strengths and weaknesses, and there are going to be areas where they put up a fight, and there are areas where they're losing players, and there are play areas where they're getting better. And uh, and so, you know, you you know, you, it won't be a uniform slaughter. There will be bumps. There will be valleys. There will be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm trying to list those for you. Um <laughs> So like well, safety, on the other <laughs> hand, like they lose all of their safeties, but actually they were playing their backup safeties pretty extensively. And actually one of their safeties, Shakir, backup safety, Shakir, his last name is Shakir. Uh, I liked better than the starter at his position. Hmm. So like, actually, I don't think even though they lost all their starting safeties, I actually don't think they're going to be in that much trouble, you know, at, at, at safety. Uh I do think they're going to be in a lot of trouble at defensive line. I think Oregon's offensive line is going to kill them. Oh, here's another relevant thing to be saying that for anybody who's going to be like, oh, Oregon's, you know, hey, Oregon's got a new offensive line or 
or sort of new offensive line. Like, uh-huh. oh, and they just demolished Portland State's, you know, defensive line. So, hey, no problems there. Like, all systems green. Hey, it's Not. my job to tell you, hey, they lost everybody off of their defensive line last year. They're breaking in, like, four straight rookies. Like, of course, you know you know, you and me and Adam Holland, you know, should be able to run over those dudes. You know, the, yeah. the Portland state is, is going to be showing. That, that's a really like, scary proposition too. You know, so like, <laughs> don't get too excited, you know, at Oregon's offensive line performance against that. Defense. Exactly. Um, or like, or here's another thing. Uh, so on offense, uh, as long as we're talking about the trenches, um, uh, uh, Portland state's offensive line, they, um, they started, they had to start shuffling guys around to the point where probably one of the primary reasons they lost to Cal Poly. I mean, not really because they put up a lot of points, but they started to go on sort of a losing streak towards the end of the year. Um, and like of games that were potentially winnable games. Um, and like, they definitely had like a second half fall off in a lot of games, you know, they'd score like 30 points in the first half, first half and score like an average of five points in the second halves of games. And I think a lot of that had to do with their offensive line just was, was getting progressively banged up. Well, one of the silver linings to their offensive line getting banged up so much is that like, they were shuffling guys around and like, they were sort of, they were getting sort of experienced and like, so while they lose a few pieces on their offensive line, they're experienced enough that like, I think they'll actually be able to solve most of their departure problems. Okay. And have like an okay offensive line, but there is an exception to that, which is they're losing their starting center. Their starting center has been their starting center since that it wasn't the 2020 season. It was actually the spring 2021 season because the FCS did that COVID thing where they didn't play in the fall of 2020. They played in the spring of 2021. Well, he's been their starter since then. And he's snapped like every single ball. Like he hasn't missed a game. Um, and Like he didn't take off garbage time. Like he hasn't had a cold, like nothing. He played every single snap. And, uh, and he was pretty good, like very reliable snaps. Like every time I saw him snap the ball, it was like very good. And, um, and like, and, and, but like the, whatever the opposite of a silver lining is, um, the, that, uh, for, for that situation is when he's gone, like, oh, you don't have a, you never trained your backup, you know, to be ready to go. And so the, whoever their backup is, who I have no idea who that guy is going to be, because I like literally I've never, no one since 2019, like literally since 2019 has snapped the ball for Portland state. Um, and, and and so who that is, is no longer on the roster, you know, like they don't have someone on the roster who snapped the ball before, um, in college. So, so the first time that whoever that person is snaps a ball in college is going to be an Austin stadium with 50,000 people screaming at them. And like, you know, have fun on third down, kid, you know, like, (laughs) and like having a really having like a veteran center can be a really stabilizing thing for a team. And like, you know, having a rookie center is like the opposite of that. You know, like I'm really sort of you should probably expect some like false starts and snap infractions and some like blitz protections getting messed up. And yeah, well, the the center is not just snapping the ball. They're also uh 
calling formations on the defense and there's a lot to be in the center. Yeah, exactly. So like, again, for all you Oregon fans who are like really looking forward to this, you know, revamped, you know, defensive line and who are like, Hey, you know, Hith told us that this offensive line is mostly, you know, all intact from last year and has a bunch of veterans on it. So, Hey, this should, you know, the, you know, this should be a good test or, you know, early test for Oregon's, you know, defensive line. I'm here to tell you like, man losing his center you know like if you see them you know getting crushed by blitzes all the time like don't get too excited about that you know yeah uh and hey you wouldn't have known that if you didn't have somebody dive in and do the film study for that which like no one else on earth is going to do that for an fcs team in the opener so you know that's why and and we appreciate the hell out of you for that um the I'll, I'll speak for the entire addicted to quack nation okay yeah, thanks uh <laughs> the uh let's see other things to know they they lose a lot of their most important producers um from from the skill position players uh you know that sort of you know happens you know they, they lose they, they lose their most important receiver bo kelly um and and probably their second most receiver um matayo telling me low to um uh 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 um, but they bring back uh, another one who's pretty good, Nate Bennett. Um, but that's the, he's pretty much only passing the ball to three guys. Who is those guys? You know, Kelly, uh, Talali Motu, um, and Bennett. Um, and they only bring back one of them. Um, oh, and 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 two backups, uh, McLean Griffin and uh, and Emmanuel Dagbe, and Dagbe leaves too. So it's it's you know, so it's one starter on one backup is pretty much all they bring back from the receiver core. Um, they did get one transfer, pretty much I think the only transfer who's going to be of significance, um, who's Jermaine Braddock um, from San Jose State. I think they'll plug him in. So you know, I think they'll have three guys to throw the ball to. Um, but like, yeah, you know, the, the, <laughs> you know, that, so that'll be interesting. Um, uh, uh, they got a, a transfer running back actually from UCLA, Christian Grubb, um, who I wrote oh. about in my UCLA preview. Um, but they, they sort of like, they bring back almost all of their running backs, but here's the thing. Their running back was sort of a running back by committee. They, they didn't really run the, their, their quarterback was their leading rusher. You know, like their quarterback was their football team, uh, uh, Dante Sachere, um, like as you will often find on FCS teams where the quarterback like just is the football team. Um, Sachere is, you know, he's a he's pretty good quarterback. Like he doesn't his his deep ball is his is his deep ball is very inconsistent. I will watch him throw like three deep balls consecutive where it's like Dante what was that and then I will see him connect on a beautiful deep ball and it's like oh there it was um or I will watch him like roll out and throw that really tricky roll out jump pass where it's like oh excellent and then I'll watch him try it again and he'll miss wildly and it's like come on man um he's a very good up on your shoes yeah (laughs) he's a very good scrambler i mean that's the reason why he's the leading rusher on the team is mostly scrambles um but he's like a tough runner like i'm gonna have some clips in my article of him like it's fourth down they really need it and he does the cam rising thing where it's like okay coach yeah i I guess i'll bail you out (laughs) you know (laughs) um yeah i mean he's the team like you know that that's actually i would say my number one my number one in terms of like examining Oregon, like to the extent that this game is really about a test for Oregon. Um, my number one question about 
Oregon for this game will be Sachere is going to scramble. He's going to have to. He's going to scramble in this game. And I want to see how well Oregon um, shuts him down on the scramble drill. Um, like, you know, close the back door. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let them, you know, convert their downs on scrambles. You know, like they're going to flush him. They're going to flush him from the pocket. You know, the question is like, don't let him get anything. Once you think they're going to spy on him. I don't, I mean, they, they ought to, um, or they, they ought to, they ought to have some sort of plan. I guess I'll put Mm -hmm. it that way. Like a spy is not the only way to deal with the scrambling quarterback. Um, but like they, they ought to, they ought not be surprised. I guess I'll put it that way. Like that's definitely the, I would say, I guess I, I'm now like 15 minutes into ranting about Portland state and I'm <laughs> bury the lead or is it like the number one thing to know about Portland state is that they have a super scrambly quarterback. Like the number one best athlete on their team is Dante Sachere. And the number one thing that he brings to the team is that he will do anything in order to get a first down and you need to, um, you know, be able to do it. Like, uh, you need to be able to bring him down. Like you need to be, to, to know that he is going to do that, uh, and that you need to have a plan to bring him down. Like I sure. watched him multiple times, just humiliate, like there's going to be a clip in my article in which he humiliates the entirety of the Eastern Washington defense on the inferno. Um, just like juking dudes, just like, just just humiliating them juking dudes um like multiple safeties he 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 puts on their bellies you know diving at his ankles like i mean yeah he's a really good athlete um sure uh uh yeah so like you know i want to see you know oregon bring him down like i want to see oregon (laughs) not be i want to see oregon not be surprised i guess uh, you know more than anything else i want to see him like not be like the way that like when cam ward uh, at washington state like surprised them with stuff and i was like mad at oregon's defense for being surprised by it like i don't Mm want to be mad at them for being surprised you know sure oh yep it sounds like uh good stuff and um Portland State was once a proud program, so it, you know if you want to read about the Portland State that was, uh, read our addicted to quack article, right? Yeah, Tristan wrote his his uh, debut article about the history of uh, Portland State and uh, both the football team and sort of like as a university, it's its origins, Vanport College and sort of the Vanport flood. He included the pics from the, the Getty archive of uh, President Truman surveying the damage from the Vanport flood. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a good uh, article. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Y'all should read it for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, the game is really about, a, you know, a test for Oregon. Uh, there's enough personnel departures from a team that was a four and seven team last year that, you know, I don't really expect a very stiff, you know, competition out of, out of Portland state and, and losing at several like key positions, especially like in the trenches too, such that like, you know, Oregon's trench dominance ought to make, you know, fairly quick work of them. Um, but like, you know, like I said, you know, they, they bring back, you know, everybody in the running back room, they bring back a quarterback who's their best athlete. You know, they bring back most of the offensive line, um, including the better of their two, ta- they lose one of their tackles, but I actually think the worst of the tackle that they bring back their better tackle. Um, so that, hmm. you know, I, I'm interested to see, you know, how Oregon's pass rush, you know, goes up against Australia. Um, 
you know, on defense, uh, like I said, they get back one of the, I, I think like a lot, the linebacker Parker McKenna, um, who, you know, admittedly I only get to wa- you know, watch him in a couple of games, but like, I think his football IQ is through the roof. I think if you were like just a bigger, you know, guy, like this is one of the unfortunate things about football, it's a big man's game and he's not that big, but like I, his like watching him diagnose, he got to play in the Washington game. So I got to watch him, you know, all that first half before it became a laugher. And like he had Kalen DeBoer's offense completely cracked. Like it was a pleasure to watch him defend. Now he, he like, there'll be a clip in my article in which he has the play completely diagnosed before it happens. And he is running to stop the play, but he's still not fast enough to stop it because you know, God didn't match his brains with athleticism, enough athleticism, unfortunately. Um, it's just but, crazy. But it was like, it was cool to watch, you know? Um, uh, anyway, like, I, you know, I, I, the, their cornerbacks are not incompetent. Um, and like I said, I actually like some of their backups, you know, safeties. So it's like, you know, th- this isn't like, and Bruce Barnum, their coach has been there for a long, a long time. And I actually kind of like Barney. I, I like Barney ball. You know, uh, I think that Barney gets himself into some trouble. Oh my God. He, he they, they should have beat San Jose state to start the year. Like they wound up losing on the last drive and like, the 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 last so the the last drive of the game the uh portland state should have scored a touchdown on their the last drive of the first half but they wound up coming away with that for with no points on what i feel was barnum mismanaging the clock and then uh, and then he did it again a couple weeks later against the University of Montana, the Grizz, who, if you recall, Oregon beat a couple of years ago um, mm-hmm. and beat Washington a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, a game that will live in infamy. Yes. The Grizz wound up blowing him out, um, but it was a tight game uh, 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 right before the half when once again he was in a position to potentially score, winds up getting a holding foul and then another like penalty. So now he's way backed up, decides to kick a field goal, which would have been like a 54 yard field goal. Guess what happens, Badwater? Oh, God. <laughs> Guess what happens on the 54-yard field goal attempt? Yeah. The, the worst case would be that it's muffed and returned for a touchdown by the opposition. Kick six, baby. Yeah. yeah. So within three weeks' time, yeah, he goes from like uh, a game that he should have won against an FBS opponent to a loss by a margin that, you know, we're, you know, which would have been, you know, he was on the goal line. He was like one yard to go and he mismanaged the clock and didn't get the touchdown, which would have been the, you know, the points he needed to win that game. And then three weeks later, he gives up kick six in sort of a similar situation. And it was like, Barney managed this clock better, man. Like, you know, he lost to a one and nine team by a single score in a position where I think if he managed the clock better, he probably could have eked out. You know, he could have won the middle eight in that game. Like, yeah, I did like and sort of like in all the ways that we were complimenting Dan Lanning last year as a like as a good clock manager. And I think we were all sort of like coming off of the hangover. Mario Cristobal is not a good clock manager. It's sort of it is. I have to say it's (laughs) not a good game manager. Yeah. Yeah. I I have been watching Barney Ball for a while now, and I sort of Mm -hmm. do feel like Barney, you could take some clock management lessons from Dan Lanning. (laughs) 
Yeah, go Vikings. Yeah. I do like Viking <laughs> football. Hey, for anybody who lives in the Portland area, uh, Viking football is a fun time and a cheap ticket. They had to play their games at the Hillsborough Stadium this last year because of some renovations, but like they're back um, to playing in Portland this year, and uh, it's all Saturday games. Uh, and uh, you should you should get a ticket if you get a chance. Uh, uh, it's, I kind of like to see the uh, the Ducks do a, a spring game, uh, a, you know, like their their second scrimmage. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see them do that up in Portland. Yeah, that'd be up interesting there. thing to do. Yeah. So. All right. But yeah, it is what it is, right? I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? No, go Ducks. Uh, kill the Vikings. Kill yeah. the Vikings. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of kind of a given, but but you know, I, I'm just really excited for the beginning of football. I've been excited since the beginning of soccer and volleyball, which is really the beginning of football, right? Mm. Uh, it's been. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited because the the prediction. It's not going to be that smoky, you know, which this time of year with all the wildfires still going um, is is uh, is good news. Um, of course, it, yeah, we it, had some really bad air quality uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah. air quality prediction is, is they don't they, they, it shouldn't be that bad uh, in Autzen Stadium of, where, of course, it never rains and it never rains on this podcast. 